Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, body ministry in this part 2. Our title this morning is Desiring Spiritual Gifts. Let's read those verses. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead or to provide for others, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Last week, we saw that as the process of transformation of our lives by the renewing of our minds leads us to know the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God, we live out the will of God regarding His body, His church, by not thinking too highly of ourselves, by living as members of one body, and by using our spiritual gifts to minister to one another. That was the call, that was the statements, the points that we were making last week to say, this is how we want to come before the Lord and have Him use us for the benefit of the body. We are members of one body. In fact, as Philippians chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 reminds us, we do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, we value others above ourselves. Not looking to our own interests, but each of us to the interests of the others. We must be other-centered rather than self-centered. It is only then that we can rightly minister spiritual gifts that God gives us. If we are self-centered, we will look for spiritual gifts to consume it on ourselves. But if we are other-centered, we will look for spiritual gifts to serve others. Right? Now, as we do this, this week, I want to go a little deeper into our study of spiritual gifts, focusing primarily on desiring the gifts. That then leads us to praying for and receiving spiritual gifts. Next week, we'll look at developing the gifts how to minister and grow in the gifts individually and collectively. And so, the first and foundational statement, really the only main point that I want to make this morning, the first and foundational statements about, statement about the spiritual gifts is this. Eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. As I mentioned last week, we're cross-referencing 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14 as we study Romans chapter 12 verses 3 through 8. And last week we learned from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 12 through 27 of the importance 
and interdependence of each and every member of the body of Christ. We're not in isolation. We are interdependent. We are interconnected with each other in the body of Christ. The eye cannot say I have no need for the hand. The hand cannot say I have no need for the ear. We are all e equally important and of value in the body of Christ. Now, immediately after writing about the body of Christ, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. He then goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 to describe the nature, the characteristics, the greatness, and the permanence of true love, God's love, agape love. So he takes that whole chapter there, short chapter, but he's describing what God's love is. So eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, and he says, let me show you what I'm talking about, and he talks about love. And then, right after that, immediately after talking about love, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, Paul writes again, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. What's Paul's message? He is not telling us that gifts are going away. God will soon stop giving out gifts, so get them before it's too late. Eagerly desire them before it's, you know, the time runs up. That's not his message. He's not saying that. He is instead saying, love each other in the body of Christ as God loves us, and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts to minister that love to each other. To follow the way of love. We want those spiritual gifts, not so that we can say, I have this spiritual gift, but so that we can say, I can minister more effectively in the body of Christ. We have a responsibility then to learn all we can about the spiritual gifts. Now, in the first part of 1 Corinthians 12, we read about, in the later part, we read about the body. But in the first part of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul writes about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and he elaborates a lot more than what he does here in Romans. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. What is the manifestation of the Spirit he's referring to? The gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. 
to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes to them to each one just as He determines. A spiritual gift is a special attribute given by the Holy Spirit to the members of the body of Christ according to God's grace to be used within the context of the body for the benefit of those inside and outside the body of Christ. Right? So think about that, know that, understand that, get that in so that you would eagerly desire the gifts. Eagerly desire the gifts. And as I repeat that statement, as I'm repeating Paul's injunction, I'm not making something up, as I'm repeating Paul's injunction, his order to eagerly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you may remember that when we studied the book of Acts, we went through scriptures that led us to eagerly desire the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not going into details of the baptism of the Holy Spirit today, we can certainly follow up on that topic during sermon discussion and in other forums. What I'm wanting to do this morning in our current context of gaining at least a high-level understanding of spiritual gifts, we recognize that the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are of the same Spirit available to all believers for the glory of God and the common good and serve as signs and wonders to the world. However, baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not synonymous. They're not the same. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit doesn't necessarily mean you have received a spiritual gift. And having received a spiritual gift doesn't necessarily mean that you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. These are distinct experiences. It should also be abundantly clear that receiving a spiritual gift doesn't make you a mature disciple of Christ. Because the Lord desires for his fullness of life and his purpose and his anointing in each of us through the person of the Holy Spirit, I encourage you I challenge you that you would eagerly desire all that the Holy Spirit has for you and all that the Holy Spirit will do in you to cause you to grow in the Lord to become a mature disciple of Christ. What does that mean? Desire the fruit of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, the anointing of the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit, the wisdom of the Spirit, the leading and guidance of the Spirit, the teaching and instruction of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, and the gifts of the Spirit. Desire it all. Say, Lord, you give me whatever you would have for me. You do with me whatever you want, me, want to do with me. So, here's the question in this morning as we're looking at this and saying, desire the spiritual gifts. If you are starting to get this and saying, yeah, I need to desire 
the spiritual gifts. Question is, which spiritual gifts should you desire? Which spiritual gifts should you desire eagerly? I mentioned last week that there are at least 22 different gifts listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, and uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8 that we're reading, and 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7. At least 22 different gifts. And there are other things that are not explicitly stated like this, but we start to see that or hear that and read about it you know, in other scriptures, including that reference in, in uh, you know, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, which says, whoever speaks and whoever serves. That covers a number of different things. So we see these lists and we, and we understand that there are many spiritual gifts. And I also said that we must be careful not to categorize them or rank them according to our preferences or perceptions. So we can't go to God and say to him, I'd like two of the speaking gifts and one of the serving gifts, please. Right? That's not how it works. Or we can't go to him and say, Lord, administration seems really hard. I prefer healing. Right? I mean, we can't do that. This is not for us to go to him and you know, state our preferences, our interests, what would make us look good. No. We come to the Lord, and when Paul is telling us to eagerly desire spiritual gifts, he's really saying that we should eagerly desire everything that the Lord has for us, whatever he has for us, whenever he has it for us. That we would say, Lord, you do whatever you want with me. You fill me, you use me, you, you consume me. Right? Not according to what I think, but according to your will. We are really desiring that the Lord and who he is will be what we receive. And that we are eagerly desiring for his good, pleasing, and perfect will to be fulfilled in our lives. Gifts are not the end goal. The end goal is not, I have 22 of these gifts. Oh, I have 16, I'm working on the net. Or, you know, th that's not the end goal. Gifts are merely a means by which he fulfills his will in and through us. Accomplishing the will of the gift giver is the end goal. Not just getting some gifts. But saying, Lord God, that your good, pleasing, and perfect will is done. You, the gift giver, fulfill your will. Let your gifts in me be for that purpose. Right? So, if the gifts are the means to the end, and they are given at the discretion of the Lord, desiring spiritual gifts means we come to the Lord, the gift giver, and ask him for patience and wisdom as we wait on him for whatever he would give us. What the Holy Spirit then does is to help us discern and discover the gifts that the Lord has for us. What does that process look like? Well, we begin by receiving the wisdom of the Lord to examine and learn about these different gifts. All these things that are listed there, we say, okay, Lord, help me to understand them. Help me to learn about them. Studying the gifts of the Spirit is an extensive subject. Books, 
Volumes have been written about this. There's all sorts of material and information that you can get to. This morning, I'm only doing a very brief overview of the spiritual gifts, beginning with the gifts listed in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. I've included these descriptions that I'm going through, I've included them in the sermon notes. So if you go to the church app right now and go to the sermon notes for this morning's sermon, it should all be there, you'll see these descriptions that are about each of these gifts. You'll also find it in the church website later when all the sermon is posted there and so on. But as I go through this, just follow along, read, you know, just listen carefully, go back to this, but try to, you know, to, as you're listening, what you're saying is, Holy Spirit, Help me to grasp in my whole being, spirit, soul, and body. Help me to grasp what these gifts are about. So, here we go. Prophecy. This is the declaration of a word from the Lord. An anointed utterance that is according to the standard of the common faith that has been given to all believers. It's not something extraordinary in that sense. It is what the common faith, but it is the utterance of the Lord given in this special way. And what he gives is consistent with the word of God and sound doctrine. It can be a word from the Lord to foretell something that is to happen in the future, but it can just as well be a word from the Lord to foretell what is to be done or what is happening in the present. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. All right? Next, serving. This is practical service. Completing practical tasks to help people and to keep everything running in good order. This is the ability to identify and care for the physical needs of the body of Christ through a variety of ways. Next, teaching. This is the ability to make the truth of God's word clear and understandable so that those listening can learn and apply God's truths. This may be in a small or large group. It may be in all sorts of different age groups. It could be formal or informal. It could be highly structured or not, doesn't matter, but it is that making the word clear and understandable. Next, encouraging. This is to come alongside someone else to support, motivate, and counsel. And this is not about being a formally trained counselor, but it is helping others to persevere in their life journey. You're encouraging them, keep going, keep going, keep going, right? And you're helping them to keep running the race that is set before them. Next, giving. This is not so much about the amount that you would give or the proportion of what is given, but rather that you would be wisely led by the Holy Spirit to give in such a way that it is spiritually fruitful. You don't have to be wealthy to have the gift of giving. Right? You would give strategically, you would give by the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, and it bears spiritual fruit. Next, leadership. This is equipping and empowering people to accomplish a shared goal. In the context of body ministry, leadership is very definitely, very closely linked with teaching. Leadership, of course, 
is only as effective as followership. Because otherwise, as John Maxwell puts it, if, you're think, if you think you're leading, but no one is following, you're just out for a walk. So there's a lot more to be said about leading and following and about every one of these gifts, really, which will cover some of those things over time and so on, but I want to move on. Next one, mercy. This is being specifically moved to deeply empathize and engage in compassionate acts on behalf of people who are suffering physical, mental, or emotional distress. It is the ability to manifest concern and kindness to the poor, the sick, the weak, the prisoner, the addicted, the elderly, and others who are often marginalized. Okay, now for the rest of this overview, I'll go through the items in the 1 Corinthians passages and then the Ephesians passage, but, they're not, but I'm not going through them exactly as they are listed on the screen. It's not in that same order, so just listen carefully. Wisdom. This is the ability to apply the principles of the Word of God in a practical way to specific situations and to recommend the best course of action at the best time. Right? That's what's getting to it. It's getting to that action. Knowledge. That's the ability to discover, analyze, and systematize truth for the benefit of others. And it is definitely or can be linked to the gift of teaching. Now, let me also make this point, and we've talked about this in the past. To know or to have knowledge is to know what is going on. To understand or have understanding is to understand why it's going on. And then to have wisdom is to know how to respond. Right? So that's how it helps us and prepares us in these ways. So knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and these gifts of wisdom and knowledge that are called out. Next, gift of faith. This is the ability to have a vision for what God wants to be done and to confidently believe that it will be accomplished in spite of the circumstances and whatever appearances are to the contrary. So you look around and you say, I, no, you know, in the natural, no way that this can happen. But this supernatural faith allows you to believe for what the Lord wants to do. Right? Next, healing. This is the ability to serve as a human instrument through whom God supernaturally cures illnesses and restores health. The possessor of this gift is not the source of the power. Which is why sometimes people who pray for healing for others are themselves afflicted by some, some situation, some condition, whatever else. So this is not about, I have the power, you know, come to me. No, it's not about that at all. But rather the person through whom the gift is operating is a vessel who can only heal diseases the Lord chooses to heal. You can't just say, I have the gift of healing. I'll just go into the hospital tomorrow and, you know, empty it out. That's not how it works. Right? You can only minister and the healing can only come to those that the Lord chooses to heal. Right? Next, miracles. Similar, the, this is the ability to serve as a human instrument through whom God accomplishes acts that manifest supernatural power. Something that you know, people look at it and go, oh, 
that, that, yeah, clearly that was just not something that would have happened in the natural. Miracles bear witness to the presence of God and the truth of his proclaimed word. Next, distinguishing of spirits. This is the ability to discern, to clearly discern the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. With this gift, one can distinguish reality versus counterfeits, the divine versus the demonic, true versus false teaching, and in some cases, spiritual versus carnal motives. You discern the spirit, right? Distinguish the spirit. Next, tongues. This is the ability to receive and impart a spiritual message in a language or expression that the recipient has not learned. I didn't learn, I didn't go to the school of tongues and learn tongues and then come and share it. It is coming to me un, without my having prepared it, right? It is the ability to receive and impart that spiritual message that I have not learned or the person has not learned. And for, uh, it is given for other members of the body to be edified and in order for that to happen, the message in tongues must be interpreted by the recipient or by another person with the gift of interpretation, which brings us to that gift, gift of interpretation of tongues. That is the ability to translate into the vernacular or common language a message that is publicly uttered in tongues. Now, we may pray in tongues on our own. We may pray in tongues even as we're part of a group and just edifying ourselves and so on. But if you believe that you have been given a gift or you're given even a one-time utterance as such that the Lord is giving you to proclaim a public message in tongues, then we would expect or pray for the interpretation of those tongues. Now, and this... The gift that is operating in someone, the interpretation of tongues, may be accompanied with the gift of tongues, but it, not, it, it could operate separately too. And I've been in situations where one person gives the tongue and the other per, another person gives an interpretation. So it could happen in that way. Next, apostleship. As a spiritual gift, this is the ability to begin and or to oversee new work, new churches and ministries and all of that with a very recognized authority. Right? You know this is of God. In the New Testament, the apostles were not limited to the twelve. Right? Even Paul was not part of the twelve, but we refer to him as an apostle. And even as we go through the rest of Romans, you'll see this. We see references to Barnabas, Andronicus, Junius, and others who are referred to as apostles. All right. Next, helps. This is the ability to enhance the effectiveness of the ministry of other members of the body. You're helping them to become even more effective. This is the only usage of this word in the New Testament. And it appears to be distinct from the gift of service. And in general, you can consider the gift of service to be more group-oriented. You're doing an act of service that helps a large group as such. And, and the gift of helps to be more person-oriented. So it's not as collective, it's more individual. Right? Next, administration. This word, like helps, appears only one time in the New Testament. 
And this spiritual gift is the, of administration is the ability to steer a local church or Christian organization toward the fulfillment of its goals by managing its affairs and implementing necessary plans. A person may have the gift of leadership without the gift of administration and vice versa, have the gift of administration without the gift of leadership. Okay, so these may, this may all be true. Next, evangelism. The ability to be an unusually effective instrument in leading unbelievers to a saving knowledge of Christ. Some with this gift are most effective in personal evangelism, while others may be used by God in group settings or cross-cultural evangelism. And then, last one that I'm highlighting this morning, shepherd or pastor. This is combined with the gift of teacher. And so you see pastor, teacher, even in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. It is the ability to lead, nourish, protect, and care for the needs of a group, a flock, the shepherd's flock of believers in a local church. As I went through these descriptions of these gifts, I trust you saw how every believer can be and should be ministering in every one of these areas regardless of whether they are additionally gifted with a special supernatural ability in that area. I trust you've seen that. Every one of these things. We should all be actively engaged in these things. right? You may be a very effective pastor, teacher, administrator, encourager, giver, and evangelist, or be used by the Lord to prophesy, pray for the sick and see them healed, believe God for a miracle and see it take place, share a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom with someone, help someone in need, have a public message in tongues, interpret your own or someone else's message in tongues, and pioneer a new and groundbreaking ministry. You may do all of those things, without explicitly receiving a spiritual gift. Why? Because it's the same spirit that's at work in you. The same spirit is in you. And he manifests himself in all these areas. So we are actively engaged, even as we're eagerly desiring that supernatural, you know, just extra, or the way that the Lord would move. We're saying, Lord God, use me in all of these areas. Use me in every way that you would. You don't need to wait till you're triple confirmed that you have a spiritual gift in order to minister in that area. Don't wait. Just start to do. In fact, in fact, and we'll get into this a little bit more next week, it may be as you minister in many or all of these areas that you discover your gift. Right? So, once we learn about the gifts, we soberly examine and learn from our own lives to not only discern and discover our own gifts, but to also then develop those gifts, to minister, to demonstrate, to exercise, to allow the Lord to work through us consistently in that way. And that'll be our focus for next week. This week, I want to challenge you after sharing all of this, to respond and apply the word of God that we have heard by just doing one thing, eagerly desire the gifts.
Don't wait for someone else to exercise their gifts so that you may benefit. Right? Don't say, well, let him, her, and those people all desire the gifts, get them, and start ministering in them, and I'll be the recipient of it. But rather, pray. Call out to the Lord that he would prepare you and start manifesting his gifts in you for the benefit of the body. If all of us are eagerly desiring the gifts, if all of us are eagerly being led by the Spirit and submitting to the leading of the Spirit, and we are coming together every time we come together and ministering to one another, oh, the whole church is lifted. The whole body is lifted. The whole health improves. It's not just one part. It's not just I have a really strong arm, but my leg is really weak. No, all of us together working, 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 ministering, waiting on the Lord. We build each other up. We build each other up together. And that was the way that then collectively we're able to bless and to lift each other. I want to also clearly state this. That the Lord can manifest his gifts in you at any age. You could be very young, you could be very old, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. Now you may have heard of uh, Smith Wigglesworth. He was in England. He also ministered quite extensively in the U.S. But he began a pretty incredible ministry of preaching and healings and deliverance and miracles around age 55. He was 55 when all that started. He grew up impoverished and illiterate and was working as a plumber before discovering his gifts and then being used by the Lord for almost 30 years before he died at age 87. Right? Now, he, he had some unorthodox practices in how he prayed for people, and you can find plenty of information online about him. My purpose for mentioning him is not to glorify the man and the ministry. My purpose, I'm pointing out to you, is that the gift of God and the God can gift and use us in any season of life at any age. We just have to desire to discern and to demonstrate the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, I trust you're listening and hearing me say very clearly that this is part of body ministry. Spiritual gifts are so that we would truly build up the body of Christ that we would care for each other, that we would love each other, that we would say, oh, I see that there's a need like this in the church. Oh, I want to serve. I want to give. I want to do this. I want to be used of the Lord. And as I do that, as, I, as I'm involved in that way, oh, the Lord is showing me that he's gifting me in a special way. He's giving me supernatural ability. It's beyond my capability. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I exercise those gifts for the benefit of others. That's the way that we would live. That's the way that we would serve. As a local church, if we are moving in that way, if every single person in the church is moving in that way, that we would care for each other in that way, would we be look different? Would we behave differently? Would our services be different? I think so. I think so. Many times we come to consume, but if we come to serve, and we say, oh God, I need some spiritual gifts, I need you to fill me and to use me for the benefit of others. When we come together like that, every single time that we come together, every single time we interact with one another, every single time we do anything at all, that we would be led by the Lord in this way, 
it will make a difference. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're aiming for. That's what we want in our body ministry. Right? And with the help of the Lord, that can happen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning that your call is, Lord, that we would eagerly desire the gifts. We're not debating anything else. We're simply obeying your word. And we pray, Father, that you will open our hearts, open our minds, open our understanding, that we may comprehend these gifts that you have provided. These ways in which, Lord, you supernaturally, Lord, enable and empower and equip us to fulfill your will. And as we learn about them, Lord, help us to be doers and to serve and to take action, to get engaged in every one of these areas, Lord. To pray and to ask you to move. And then, Lord, as we serve you, we pray that we will discern your voice. The voice of the Holy Spirit instructing us and showing us. And that, Lord, we will receive from the Holy Spirit that which you have purposed for us. Lord God, as a church, as the body of Christ, we desire to do this, that we may glorify your name. Lift up your name. Lord, bear testimony, bear witness to the world that the Lord is mighty, that the Lord is God. There is none other. Oh, Lord God, we praise you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Send us, Lord, with your hunger and thirst in us for more of you, for all of you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.